Welcome to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast with your host, Jim Robinson. Hello, and welcome back to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Robinson. Insurance coverage and an optimistic outlook rarely go hand in hand. The optimist believes he will never need to utilize insurance and thus considers it a waste of time. Whereas the pessimist, on the other hand, will view insurance as the floor for the worst case scenario, protection against disaster. So why might there be a reason to be optimistic about crop insurance and overall prices this year? And especially as you get out west and you're considering that dryland acre, how does this interact with your marketing strategy to lock in profitability or what other acres might you bring into production this year? To talk about that with us today, we have Paul Mooseman with AgWest Commodities. Welcome, Paul. Thank you for having me, Jim. Appreciate being here. Yes, Paul, could you just introduce yourself for a a bit here? Yeah, again, thank you for having me. My name is Paul Mooseman with AgWest Commodities. We've been in business since 1999, and the the major part of our business, what we do is work hand-in-hand with producers uh, with their marketing needs. We are not crop insurance agents, so I'll, I'll put that disclosure out there now. However, crop insurance and guaranteed bushels tie hand-in-hand with those bushels that can be marketed, those bushels that a producer can sell, either forward sell or what he anticipates to have in harvest or or maybe what he anticipates as far as his expense side on what he's putting in there for nutrients and, and uh, fertilizers. So those two numbers play hand-in-hand. I'm a, I'm, I'm a farm kid at heart. I grew up in uh, Oklahoma and later uh, transitioned into northwest Kansas. And, and I remember as my, my father, he bought a new wheat head for our, for our old combine. And mm-hmm. it was six years before we ever got to put that wheat head on that combine because of dry uh-huh. land. And so this, this crop insurance and guarantee and when and how and uh, the comfort and the flexibility that a producer can use these two products to market his crop come hand in hand are extremely important. So uh, thanks for having me. I'm passionate about this topic. So uh, I'm very excited to be here, Jim. Absolutely. Thank you. So first of all, Paul, what have the higher commodity prices done to these insurance guarantees? Well, as, as your listeners know, and, and most everyone probably on this call, we, we, we get a February average, right? And what that does is it sets the CBOT prices on a daily close throughout the month. And what these higher prices have done um, in the corn market, it has set a high a price that is higher than what we've seen since 2014. And so we've waited a long time for all this expected demand and commodity prices to be higher. And finally, here in 2021, we've, we've got that opportunity. So our base price, our guaranteed price for the 2021 crop is, is higher than any crop we've seen since 2014. So that's extremely exciting, especially as you look as the years in past where it's been very difficult to inch out a break even or to, to farm for a profit. This year, we're starting the year at profitable levels across the board. I would also mention um, the spring price is the base price. However, we get another opportunity in the fall where um, the CBOT price is averaged again in October, and that price uh, can be higher or lower. In particular to the corn market, not counting 2020, which is last year, and I think we all probably remember what happened last fall with the great demand-driven market. Um, this will be, you know, eight years in a row that 
fall prices were lower than spring prices. Mm-hmm. So history doesn't always repeat itself, Jim, as, as we know in the ag markets <laughs> and in farming that no, no two years are exactly the same. However, you mentioned pessimism and optimism when you, when you opened the podcast here today. You know, the pessimistic person would say, listen, our base price is typically higher than our harvest price, our fall price. And mm-hmm. that person would be correct. Again, with the exception of, of last year, eight years prior, that was the trend. And so when you look at marketing and crop insurance and how guarantees are working, the spring guarantee is usually higher than the fall. That means we've got a higher base price and higher potential revenue. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we've got to plant a crop and grow a crop, and Mother Nature's got to do her business during the betweens. However, that's, that's the price trends. That's the seasonals. And so knowing your spring price, getting that established, and then starting a marketing plan, really it kicks off the year. And in this case for 2021, it kicks off the year in some profitable levels. Exactly. So, so Paul, what is that, that projected, or not that projected, what is that base price from the spring for corn in particular? For 2021, for mm-hmm. corn, we set the base price at 458. Mm-hmm. Again, that's the highest number that we've seen since 2014. Yeah. So now, you know, as you said, eight years in a row, we've always seen you know the, that fall price you know, be lower than the spring price. So the the currently the market is signaling that there's a demand for more bushels to be produced. Uh, what do you think? the volatility in the price looks like as we move between now and this fall for the remainder of the season? That's a great question. Uh, To answer it, you know, to be very candid with that, I I don't know. Um, We are going into a situation for 2021 that I don't think anyone knows. Mm -hmm. If you think back the last four or five years, you know, we had, we had hoped that, um, you you know, not us in, in the Western corn belt, but someone particularly maybe East would have a problem in production, or maybe it wasn't us as the United States, maybe, maybe Europe or Ukraine or Russia or South America or Argentina. So maybe somewhere, somehow a major producing country would have some sort of production problem And, Mm -hmm. and they've developed some, but the last five years generally has been adequate to normal production. And so we've had no really big changes to price. It's just kind of been status quo. We've kind of been locked in a range. But going into 21, you ask about volatility. Mm-hmm. We have something that's changed over the last eight months that typically takes the corn market or soybean or even wheat market for that matter, four or five years to change. Mm-hmm. And what that was is we had burdensome supplies. We had anticipations from the USDA and private analysts and, and, and a lot of uh, other reporting services that we'd have with this tremendous amount, this burdensome amount of corn inventories left over going into this year. That was the estimate last July and August, but that changed. Mm-hmm. One, we had China. China came in with the phase one agreement where they've completed almost 50 of their 58 guarantees on purchases from U.S. products. And what that's done is it's taken 700 to potentially a billion bushels of that excess corn and moved it. If you look at the world, you look at the globe as a whole, our demand for corn has been very stagnant. I'm not saying we haven't grown and contracted, you know, up and down certain areas, certain regions or or over time. But in general, it's been pretty stagnant. The big change has been China what they're doing with their hog herd, what they're doing with rations, what they're doing with corn demand has changed. And because of some things that were happening, again, geopolitically and a few other things, and our low price of corn and our excess inventory, it gave China the opportunity, phase one trade deal or not, it gave them the opportunity, again, with a weaker U.S. dollar to come to us. We were their, we were their grocery store. 
And we have been until just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You add in that strong demand and then something that I'd never heard of in 18 years in the commodity business, and that was the ratio. I didn't even know Iowa could have hurricanes, especially on the <laughs> ground, but yep. we had one. And that was significant amount of corn production for U.S. Mm-hmm. You also had Brazil and Argentina off to just a, a horrid start. Now they ended up okay with a, with a near average crop, but that's not where it started. You also had floods and three typhoons in, in uh, China. Mm-hmm. So you had all these major producing corn regions around the world kind of getting hit with non-traditional type of weather. Meanwhile, you had a big rump, rant, rump up in demand. So, mm-hmm. I, again, I can't, I can't describe how the last six months has changed the corn market, but it's something that, again, typically takes four, five, maybe six years to fundamentally shift, but it, but it happened in four, five, six months. And mm-hmm. so volatility now is extremely high because we don't have those excess bushels to rely on. You know, we can't afford a crop that's going to be three, four, five, six weeks late, like Brazil is right now. China can't afford to have a major production issue year to year, back to back with, with what they're doing with corn demand. So when you go into 2021, we're sitting here in, in front of one of the largest reports tomorrow that, that the corn market will probably see we could have massive days to put, to put this into reference, go back to 2012. We probably all remember when corn went to seven bucks and it, you know, it was a great storyline and, and, and everything was fun. And, you know, money was flowing from the heavens and it just felt like agriculture was just going to be perfect forever. But you had inputs that caught up really, really fast. If you remember that year, what happened with fertilizer and land values and equipment costs and, and anything associated with putting in a crop in skyrocketed as well. We also had days where the corn market moved 20 and 30 cents. We had a few months where the soybean market moved $2 within 30 days. We had one week where corn moved 75 cents. And I can't remember the reasons why or the rationale on how, but I know when volatility kicks in with tighter supplies and higher costs, things move very, very fast, very rapidly. And sometimes, most times, I would say that they can't be explained. We have massive amounts of funds that are involved in our markets now where they're, they're buying corn and beans and wheat and anything associated underneath the sun right now. And they have massive long positions. So when they decide that they don't want to be long anymore, when they don't see upside potential, when they're not worried about a weather concern or someone running out of food, I would anticipate them deciding that they wanted to own something else. And in order to do so, they would have to maybe sell some of their grains. And so, again, I think when you ask about volatility for 2021, we've got this great price that started here through the averaging period in February. Now we're here ready to put a crop in the ground for the United States corn grower. We have no idea, one, how much is going to be planted, and two, what that final yield is going to be. Those are some big variables that have massive implications on price. Absolutely. We're going to be jumpy. And it's going to be in, you know, I, I, I don't want to get everyone all excited, but I, I don't think 2021 is going to be calm when it comes <laughs> to prices. We could see a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And mm-hmm. depending on what side you're on that day, you can feel like a goat or a hero. So 21 is going to be exciting. Exactly. Yeah, we could see anywhere from, you know, 92 to 94 million acres of corn. And, and where that corn comes from is going to play a big role, especially how the rest of the spring and summer go. We're going to see a, we sure could. a lot of volatility. So, you know, in some of these markets, farmers actually have the opportunity to use that, that spring pricing averaging time period to lock in a profit 
with their insurance, regardless of, of kind of what happens through the remainder of the season. I mean, if you look at uh, in the West, so for an Ecofala rotation in, say, Western Nebraska, Southwest Nebraska, Kansas, where, wherever it might be, you know, with the locked-in price at 80% coverage with an APH of 130 bushels an acre, you know, you can lock in more or less $84 an acre in profit just based on your 80% insurance guarantee. So if you use that calculation and kind of apply it to a number of different geographies, yield potentials, input costs, et cetera, you know, what, what does that mean for farmers in terms of the outlook on what they were looking at these next years? Should they bring in more acres for production? Should they be aggressive in their marketing? What, what do you think a farmer should do in this current environment? That's a great question. I, 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 uh, it's tough to decide, you know, what works for each operation. For example, um, we've got some customers with really high APHs on corn. Mm-hmm. And because of this high spring price guarantee, it makes a lot of financial sense. Uh, again, not agronomy, agronomy sense, but financial sense to put in more corn acres and to take soybeans or maybe minimize wheat or any other fall crops that they're, that they're anticipate planting, potentially hay varieties and put mm-hmm. them into corn. But then there's a few operations that I know in Northwest Kansas that after the last couple of years that have introduced the soybean to their crop rotation, they've got very strong soybean APHs on some dry land. In those cases, it makes sense for them. So to, 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 to say one farmer should do this or not is very tough to do, but I would say in general, the higher price right now and begin because of the kind of variability with soybean yields, you know, our two major fall crops that we're going to plant in the U S it does fall towards more leaning to increased corn acres in 2021, Mm -hmm. which again, that's, that's good for the individual farmer, right? That's the potential profit that that individual uses to, to, to budget and, and to prepare his operation to, to be sustained this year and multiple years to go. But what that also does is add corn acres. And anyone that's been in agriculture long enough knows that uh, I'm not going to say that high prices cure high prices. I don't typically believe in that. However, mm-hmm. when you look at it, I, I, I know what high prices do, and that encourages encourages acres. It does it here in the United States. We did that back in 11 and mm-hmm. in, in 2008 and, and 2012 following high prices. It also does it in South America and Europe, Ukraine, and also in China. So not only are our prices here in, in the U.S. higher, but they are around the globe. And so that's encouraging more and more folks to plant fence row to fence row, if you will, to maximize profit potential for 2021. So what ultimately it does is it brings in more acres. Mm-hmm. And that's what the market's trying to do. And that's what the spring price guarantee did. That's what the prices have done since last August. Going up is trying to defend or promote more corn acres. And it's doing so right now, maybe the cost of soybeans, maybe the cost of wheat, maybe, maybe the cost of some other crops, mm-hmm. but it's encouraging producers to plant more corn. And if we plant more corn and, you know, you can look at whatever, whatever weather model you'd like uh, and anticipate what mother nature may or may not provide us for 2021's growing season. But I think a guy has to look at normal weather, average weather, eight out of 10 years. What can he expect to grow? What can he expect to yield? Mm-hmm. And if those acres are planted, 95, 96, 97, what does a trend line yield look with our balance sheet then? The same scenario and fundamental picture that was developed during the averaging price here in February, that's not the same picture this fall. Remember, that's an anticipation of sub 2 billion bushels of corn carry. Mm-hmm. But if we plant 95 or 96 million and we grow at 176 per acre average for the U.S., we've got something well north of 2 billion again. 
So we're not in a tight situation. We're in a more of a burden situation. And that probably means fall prices. Again, this is my opinion, but fall prices being lower than what these springs are. So for a producer, we've got a higher price now than potentially what this fall may bring because of the tightness situation. Mm-hmm. So for him, he can lock in some of these higher prices this spring, and he can do so in a number of different ways. First of all, the first way is just using his insurance. This is a great product. Again, I'm not an insurance agent, but this guarantees an individual's revenue on his farm. Or another way to look at it, it guarantees him bushels. I've heard lots of stories over the years about selling up to your guarantee. And although that financially makes sense, and theoretically, if you work through the math and the guarantee sense of the word, Yes, producers do have a guaranteed bushels that they can market in front of the combine. But I can tell you right now, from growing up in a, in a dryland area and working with a lot of dryland farmers, I don't really know of one that markets all the way up to their guarantee the day before they start the combine for harvest. That's something that you know theoretically makes sense, but emotionally, uh, you still worry about having to call an elevator and apologize or an end user and apologize and say that I that I don't have the production or the the, the monitor didn't prove the yields that I thought I had or maybe that big white combine comes over right yes, before, you know, that, that nasty situation could happen. So from a producer standpoint, he can allow some marketing, but again, I don't know of anyone that's marketing 100% or at least until we get into early fall or, or past August so they got a better uh, estimate on yield. What he can do with this, however, is start to lock in some of these. So um, there's a number of different tools that can be used, but having his insurance guarantee is, is absolutely a fundamental piece and a very, very good start. Yeah, that's a... You know, that's a great point that, that you know, we don't know what the rest of this summer will bring. So while you may be able to lock in profitability now, you don't want to do so at 100% of your, your total expected bushels. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you could be in a bad position. Yeah. So you know, if you're recommending to producers to make sure you lock in your profitability on the current guarantee price, as we may see prices fall by this uh, by this fall, you know, what, what other considerations should uh, growers look at, you know, we're, we're seeing input costs that are skyrocketing right now, fertilizer, crop protection, you know, there, there are supply shortages because of some of the geopolitical and, uh, you know, well, shipping issues that can occur or have occurred in the, the world right now that's putting uh, pressure and price pressure on a lot of these inputs. You know, managing inputs is going to be a big challenge, especially where everybody's looking to get a piece of this pie. What, what do you recommend to growers around you're managing costs while they're still trying to maximize revenue. Managing costs is, is a tough one. I, obviously the right recommendation would have been four months ago to buy some of these inputs. If, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's easy to look in hindsight. So going forward right now, um, I you know, have a trusted relationship with, with your input dealer and, and get their recommendation. I would probably follow through with that and say, uh, based on where economics still look like, Fertilizer prices, yes, extremely high, but so are commodity prices. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the two on a barter relationship, how many bushels of corn you have to sell to to buy a pound of nitrogen or uh, an an acre's worth of nitrogen, it still makes financial sense over over the last, uh, you know, eight or ten years worth of history. So I would say sell some corn and buy some inputs. Mm -hmm. We're not really worried about what the price of corn is or what the price of fertilizer. I think at the end of the day, as producers, we're worried about, are we making money? 
And mm-hmm. can we make money? Can we make margin or, or however you describe it on your farm? So I'd, I'd say buy some of that now so you know bird in the hand. You know you have it. I've been hearing rumors about shortages, and I don't know if those are true and uh, definitely how widespread they are. But if you're in an area like that, sell some corn, buy some fertilizer, buy some of your inputs so you know you're, you're, you're locking in high prices of, of your revenue, which is the corn price, but you're also guaranteeing yourself the inputs that you need to put in another crop. So that's the first thing I'd say. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'd say regarding that is it, it's, it's okay to sell grain. You know, again, all these things last spring, last fall, last summer that we all dealt with with low commodity prices, we had hoped that we would have got some of this fundamental change that we're seeing now. We'd hope that China would buy and that South America would have a problem and that the feeding industry here in the U.S., cattle, hogs, chicken would be problem. We'd hoped that ethanol would regain its legs and get back to positives. All those hopes have come true. Those, those dreams have happened. I think now we just got to sell some corn. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you're, you're comfortable selling, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30%, whatever it looks like, however your profile is, you know, based on your APHs, use a comfort level, but, it's okay to sell corn when it makes us money. Unfortunately, the grain markets traditionally trend us the other way and teach us bad lessons about selling corn when it doesn't make us money. We, we, we should feel more comfortable about selling grain when it, when it does become profitable. And, and right now, in most operations, I would say it is. So whatever your comfort level is as far as production, even if it's only 20% or 30%, it, it, it's okay to do that. If you don't want to be tied into a physical contract where you've got to beg for forgiveness from an end user or, you know, someone in your community or someone that you sold to, there's tools out there, either a, a futures contract where it's remained flexible you know, you're not tied to a delivery or a delivery location or delivery time, right? You can still maybe store those bushels on your farm or um, there's a tremendous amount of flexibility or there's, there's other tools out there called uh, one of them's a put option where, where you're, you're just locking in a price uh, as a minimum and you have unlimited upside, but you also have flexibility on when and where and how you deliver. So there's no title or commitment change to your physical bushels and you're still flexible. You're still flexible to wait for higher prices and you're still flexible to wait for what your final yield or, or your production will be. So there's a couple good tools that these high prices are really, really allowing producers to lock in profits and still not be committed on what if Mother Nature deals me a bad hand for 21? So mm-hmm. um, using crop insurance guarantees allows you to lock up more physical, but using higher prices also allows you, you know, from the from the struggle board at straight standpoint on where futures prices are now, also allow you to to sell futures or, or to use options to protect these prices. So, I mean, this is the best of both worlds. Higher guarantee and higher prices going into a new year. Um, we, we really couldn't have asked for much more as production ag. Absolutely. No, that, that's all. Those are all really great points. So, Paul, I, th- I think what you're saying overall is that, you know, given the spring pri- base price that we're seeing right now, you know, there's, there's a high likelihood of a lot of price volatility coming through over the course of this growing season through the fall. And so we may or may not see higher or lower prices this fall than we're seeing right now. And because of that, you know, it's, it's good to lock in your profitability now, sell as many bushels as you feel comfortable doing without marketing 100% of your grain because you can leave yourself to a lot of exposure not knowing exactly what, you know, this, this growing season may bring. But, you know, as, you know, the, these high prices come through with the higher input costs, it still makes sell, sense to sell, you know, sell corn, 
buy the inputs, you're going to be profitable. So still do that. It makes financial sense. Really what the grower should be doing is just making sure that they are protected financially so that they can have a profitable year without worrying about trying to capture the peak or whatever it may be. Is is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I would say those are very good summary points. There's a couple more that I would add. One, if, if you're listening to this, to this recording and, and you think to yourself, you know, I'd, I'd like to do that, but I can't. I don't know how much I'm going to raise. Ask your insurance agent what your guaranteed bushels are, and that's what you can comfortably market. Mm-hmm. If your excuse on not doing anything is you think prices are going higher, work with someone, work with a trusted advisor that can show you the tools that can allow you to take that excuse out of your operation. If you don't sell grain or, or market grain because you're always worried that prices are going higher, um, we spend a lot of time. 2014 through 2019 where you have never sold anything or if you have an excuse what if what if I don't raise it again there's some products out there you can take those big excuses about higher prices about production you can take them and get them out of your farm and I think you can allow yourself to do a lot better job marketing and really what that means is do a lot better job making money farming mm-hmm. yes excellent well Paul thank you so much for joining us on our podcast Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. I enjoyed it, and uh, best of luck. 2021 has some extreme excitement going to happen. I hope all of you capture some of it, and uh, 2021 becomes so much better than last year and the previous years have been. Oh, let's hope for it. We're, we're looking forward to it. So, as always, be sure to tune in on the 1st and 15th of every month for new episodes, and until then, stay field ready. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. Join us next time to be field ready. A Huda Media Production.